One day, you, Jesus, a dead man, got up and walked out of the tomb, and your resurrection changed everything. Because you walked, we know we're forgiven. Because you walked out, we know we've been given your spirit. We know you're with us. And we know one day soon, we too will walk out of the grave and have new bodies and get to enjoy you on a new earth forever and ever. And for this, we've come to say thank you. Thank you. We love you because you first loved us, and we're here to hear your word. We want you to teach us so. Lord, forgive the one who speaks for his sins are many. And, and as, we, as we hear your word, may, may lost people be one to you, and, and may believers be built up, and may workers be equipped, and may disciple makers be multiplied. Oh, Lord, I pray that each of us would leave here more in love with Jesus than when we came. And when we would leave, we, we would find that we simply have to tell others about the one we heard about today, whose name is Jesus, and we pray in his name, amen. It's great to be here. Uh, Karen and I spent the last week uh, on the beach in Norman Beach. We were celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary, and here we are going out to eat. I think she was six when we got married. Now, I want you to know, Strider over here thinks Karen really deserves a medal. She does. But, and here's why. We went on this disciple-making retreat once, and Strider got assigned the room with me, and I snored so loud that in the middle of the night, he had to get up and, and run out of the room. And now, every time we have a retreat, we just had an elder and staff retreat, and Strider always says, can I have the room farthest away from smiling? <laughs> Forty years. Um, How'd you do that? One word answer. You know what the answer is, right? Jesus. Jesus, I want to share with you a verse that has really impacted my marriage and my life, and it's really, really simple. Here it is. It's 1 John 4, 19. Scripture memory is really good. I'm going to teach you a verse, so if you don't know any verses, you'll leave here knowing one. Here it is. We love because he first loved us. I want you to know that that's the the, a great verse we're going to memorize, and it's also the point of the message. Today's going to be really, really simple, really, really simple. We love because he first loved us. Listen, Jesus has forgiven Karen and I many, many things, and that enables us to be forgiving toward each other. And you know what? Jesus has loved us unconditionally, and because he's loved us unconditionally, he helps us to love each other unconditionally. And you know what? Jesus says, I'm never leaving to us. And so we're able to say that to one another. Uh, and so I'm going to teach you this verse. And um, so whenever I say we love, guess what you're going to say? That was pretty good. So let's do that again. We love. That's very good. Okay, one more time. We love. Oh, man. Aren't you glad he did? Aren't you glad he loved us first? Listen, not only have I been married for a long time, but I've been a pastor for longer than most of you have been alive. I really have. And, and, and I've seen so many people who've started with me and they've dropped out along the way. And you know how I stayed in the game for a long, long time? You do know, right? Because of Jesus. And you know why? Because we love. Why? Because he loves us. Ah, yes. If you want to keep winning people to faith in Christ, if you want to keep leading your small group, if you want to keep making disciples, it's so important that we remember that we love. Ah. 
So at Good News, our purpose as a church is we want to make disciples together. We want to make disciples together. And so we've asked the question, well, what's a disciple? And we said a disciple is someone who loves one another. And then we said, well, what does that look like? What does that look like? And we said, well, uh, to, uh, to follow Jesus means that we have three great loves. We love Jesus, and we love one another, and we love the lost. So let's put those together, okay? We love Jesus. We love one another. And we love the lost. Okay, you know what? We can go home now, okay? Just kidding. Sort of. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Second Peter. Uh, last week, Strider spoke and did a great job getting us going into Second Peter. And I want you to know we've spent the last six months or so walking through First and Second Peter. And our reason for this is we wanted to equip you to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. Do you find yourself waking up every day saying, this is not the same culture I went to bed in last night? And it's growing increasingly hostile toward our faith. So we're seeking to equip you. That's why it's good to be here so we can equip you. And so we start 2 Peter 3, 2 Peter 1, uh, verse 5. It should say 1, okay? You know who did that? I did. <laughs> now, for this very reason also. So what's the reason that motivates everything that we do? What is it that motivates it? everything? It's that we love why? And isn't that the story of the Bible? Isn't that the gospel that it starts with God and He loves us? And then when He captures our hearts, what we love Him back, right? Isn't that the story of the Bible? I mean, don't you love John 3.16? Well, this verse is it's so good. Listen, for God so loved the world. Don't you love that? It's not just that God loved the world. It's that God, what? So loved the world. God looked at the world and he saw broken people, broken by sin, and he loved the world. Do you know the bad news of the gospel is we have a problem called sin? And do you know what sin is? It's a crime against God. That's why it's a big deal. I ask a lot of people about sin, and, and they think it's hurting other people. But the one thought that doesn't enter their mind is it's primarily a crime against God. And you say, well, how can we commit a crime against God? Well, we can do it with what we say. Have you ever said, come on, have you ever said anything unkind about someone in your life? Have you? Did you know that's a big deal? That's a crime against God? Jesus said if we even call someone a fool, that's enough to send us to hell. It's a crime against God. Uh, listen, we can sin in our thoughts. Have you ever been jealous or anger or lustful in our thoughts? Listen, we can commit crimes against God in our thoughts. Remember what Jesus said? If we even have a thought, we're guilty before God, right? And it's not just in what we say and what we think, it's what we do. In your whole life, did you ever disobey your parents even once? Did you? Listen, did you ever steal anything in your whole life? Have you ever been involved in sex outside of marriage? All of these are crimes against God. We've sinned against God, and we're in big trouble. Because God is just, and he says that what we deserve for what we have done, which is hell, which is separation from God and from all good things forever. 
for God so loved the world. Well, what do we do? We're sinners. We're in trouble. What do we do? We can't do anything, but God did something for us that he gave his only begotten son. God the Father sent his son, God the Son, into the world to save us from our sins. God the Son put on flesh, lived a perfect life for 33 years, and then he went to the cross and died for our sins. Do you know what it means that God loved us first? Is that Jesus loved us so much, he took our sins on him on the cross. And he experienced the hell that we deserve for us. And he stayed on the cross until he could cry out, it is finished. And then he was buried, but on the third day, a dead man walked out of the tomb and said, we could too. Listen to this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die and rise for us, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I want you to understand something. People are forever. It's either eternal life or eternal punishment. It's either heaven or hell. Which do you want? It's your choice. This week, we were reading in Hebrews, right? Remember what we read? And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once. And after this comes judgment. So we're going to die, and then it's going to be heaven or hell. Which do you want it to be for you? Please choose heaven. Choose eternal life. So how can we live forever? He tells you right here that whoever believes in him, not in themselves, but whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So, okay, Smiley, what does it mean to believe? As Strider said so well last week, it's as simple as ABC. It starts when we admit. And if you've never done that, won't you do this now? Or if you need help, I'd be glad to help you at the end of the service or as we close in prayer. But it starts when we admit, Jesus, I'm a sinner. It's not just the world. I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. Will you do that? And then we believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit. That means we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, give me eternal life, won't you? And then, Jesus, I want you to be Lord. You lead, and I'll follow. Won't you admit, believe, and commit? And if you have, I want you to know that you have eternal life. It doesn't begin when you die. It begins the moment you receive him. And Jesus moves in, and we get to do life with him. So where are we going? I'm going to read a few verses and show where we're going as we follow Jesus. And then I'm going to come back and walk through them individually. Now, for this very reason also, because we're loved... Because we said to Jesus, I want to follow you, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And, <clears throat> and in your brotherly kindness, love. Now, where are we headed what does it mean to follow Jesus? To follow Jesus, we are growing in our love for Jesus. Our goal as Christians is to grow in our love for Jesus day by day. Are you? It's to grow in our love for one another day by day. Is that you? To grow in our love for lost people day by day. That's where we're going. And how do we get there? He says, for this very reason also, applying all diligence. We work at it. We pursue it. We pursue it. And I want you to understand something. The gospel is not opposed to effort. The gospel is not opposed to effort. The gospel is opposed to earning. It's opposed to earning. We are to be passionately pursuing moral excellence. Listen, in, 
applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. Listen carefully. Religious people, religious people pursue moral excellence, saying, if I'm morally excellent, God will love me. If I'm good enough, God will love me. Christians, gospel-intoxicated Christians pursue moral excellence because they're loved by God. He loved us. He won us. He chose us. His love captures our hearts. And because He's a God of moral excellence, we passionately, with all of our effort, pursue moral excellence. Not, be, not so God will love us, but because we are loved. Don't we live in a culture that people appreciate excellence? I mean, excellence in sports or excellence in food. Or, what if there were a people? What if there were a people so captured by the love of Jesus, so in love with one another, so in love with lost people, that with all their hearts they pursued moral excellence? Think we'd be different than our culture? You guys there? Think we would? We would, wouldn't we? Um, moral excellence. Do we pursue that? Is that our passion? And in your moral excellence, knowledge. Listen, how many morally excellent people have there been? How many? One, right? So if we want to be morally excellent people, it would make sense that we would want to get to know the one who is morally excellent. Makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, doesn't it? I mean, Jesus is our model, isn't he? He's our model for life and ministry. If we want to know what moral excellence looks like, we look at Jesus, right? And you know, to help us in that, Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. And you do know why he's called the Holy Spirit, right? Why? To make us holy. So what the Holy Spirit does is look at Jesus. Have you ever wondered what it would look like to live a life by the Ten Commandments? Look at Jesus. See how beautiful it is? That's what moral excellence looks like. Don't you want to live like that? Huh. Well, the Holy Spirit says, don't you want to live the beautiful life like Jesus did? And do you know what happens? You know how we get to, see, to, to know Jesus, not just know about Him, but know Him when we begin to follow Him? We say... This is the way to live. This is the way to live. This is so much better of a way to live than when I was running my own life. Wow. Moral excellence. <clears throat> Knowledge. Self-control. Self-control. As, as we're moving toward a growing love for Jesus, one another, and the lost, self-control is important. The best definition I've ever heard for self-control is it's the right ordering of our passions. What is self-control? It's the right ordering of our passions. That if our top passion, our greatest passion is to love Jesus, if our next passion is to love one another, and our next passion is to love the lost, then all of our other passions will be in the right place. And you say, illustrate that for me. Okay. So you have an Olympic athlete. You have an Olympic athlete. His alarm goes off, and he gets up while everybody else is in bed, and he gets out of bed. Why does he get out of bed? Is it because he doesn't love sleep, is it? No. It's what he loves something more. He wants a gold medal, right? And that bigger passion helps his other passions be in place, right? And then he gets in his car and he drives by Krispy Kreme donuts. Come on, and the red light is flashing, right? Why does he drive by? 
Is it because he doesn't love donuts? No, he loves donuts. Who wouldn't like hot Krispy Kreme donuts? But you know what he has? What? A greater passion. He has a passion higher than donuts. And that's why he drives by. That's self-control. And why is it on vacation while everybody else is lounging at the beach, he's working out? Is it because he doesn't like to lounge? No, it's because he has a greater passion. Do we? Do we love Jesus? Do we love one another? Do we love lost people? Does that put all of our other passions in the right place? When my heart has its passions right, loving Jesus and loving one and loving the lost, listen, then alcohol or food or sex or language, they're, they're, or my language, they're in the right place because self-control is the right ordering of our passions. That's why it's so important we understand the disciple loves Jesus, the greatest passion, and loves one another, and loves the lost. Uh, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance. <laughs> Listen, life is hard, and, and uh, the Christian life is hard, and so we need a persevering love, a persevering love. And that's why it's so important that we remember what, what, that we love that was kind of weak. We love. We can only love when we've been loved, and we can only love to the extent that we've been loved. So if we're going to have a persevering love for Jesus, if we're going to have a persevering love for his people, because his people are irritating, especially me, if we're going to have a persevering love for lost people, they're going to hurt us a lot. The only way we can ever do that is to be loved in a persevering way by Jesus. So let me show you. If you want to know what persevering love is, Turn to John 13. It's Jesus' last night with his disciples. Here's what I dream about I would be. This is who I want to be. I want to be like Jesus, don't you? Listen to what it said about Jesus, his last night. John 13, 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he, he would depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love Jesus. I want to love him to the end. Do you? I love you. I want to love you to the end. I, I just celebrated an anniversary. I want to love my wife to the end. Do you? Listen, I love lost people. I'm here for them. I want to love them to the end, don't you? If we want to do that, we need to experience it from Jesus first. He loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. What does that look like? It means the night before he's on the cross, he's washing the feet of his disciples. Is that us? He's looking for dirty feet and proud hearts among his people. What does it mean to love one another? Look at Jesus. There's his disciples, proud hearts, dirty feet. He's serving them all the way to the end. Is that us? Verse 14, if I then the Lord and the teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. He says, I washed you. I persevere in my love for you so you can do that for others. For I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. What does it look like to love one another? What does it look like? Jesus says, I've shown you how. I've shown you how. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who was sent greater than the one who sent me. Um, how many of you would like to be happy in life? Just a few of you? Come on, how many of you would like to be happy? 
Jesus tells you how right here. Just pay attention. He says, if you know these things, you are happy. You are blessed if you do them. You want to be happy? Then serve other people, especially in the body of Christ, the way Jesus has served you. He could just tell you to do it. But he says, listen, this is the way to happiness. Who lived the most beautiful life ever? It was Jesus, wasn't it? And he's showing us how to be happy, to serve others the way he has served us. Same chapter, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. You see the one another, whenever you see that in the New Testament, it's talking about in the church. That you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Uh, now, some people would say, well, Smiley, why don't you just say a disciple loves God and loves others? The reason is Jesus gave us a new commandment. And what's the new commandment? That we love one another in the body of Christ. And then he says, all the people in this county, they have one criteria to decide whether we're Christians or not. And here it is. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, the world is made up of different groups where people love each other because they do good things. But there's one group of people where people disappoint each other and hurt each other and do all kinds of horrible things to each other and they still love one another because they've been loved by Jesus and that's the church. And what people are looking for is a community where you're not outed for doing something wrong but you'll be loved and that's us. That can be us. That's what Jesus said, right? When he's talking about the church, when he's talking about the church loving each other, he's not talking about a wonderful group of people always doing wonderful things. It's like the disciples. They're proud. They're dirty. And Jesus is washing their feet all the way to the end. Is that us? Um, you see, Jesus loves us with a persevering love so that we can love him and one another and the lost. Moral excellence, knowledge, uh, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness. Godliness. Now, this word really scared me for a while uh, because if I thought if there's one thing I'm not, it's, it's godly. But I want to show you what the word actually means. In the Greek word, eusebia, see the word eu? That means well, like you have a eulogy. The, the eu of that means well. So you have well, but notice that sevomai means devoted, devoted. So what it literally means to be godly is to be devoted to Jesus. It's more about the intent than the outcome. <sighs> because if you ask me, Smiley, are you devoted to Jesus? Do you love Jesus? I do. Don't you? If you ask me, do I love God's people? Do I love the church? Yes. Do I love lost people? And do I want to see them one to faith in Christ? Yes. That's what godliness is. It's about being well devoted, that we're devoted to Jesus. Not that we always get it right, that we're devoted to each other. Not that we always get it right, that we're devoted to lost people. Not that we always get it right. Isn't that good to know what godliness is? And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. Do you know that's one word? It's Philadelphia, <laughs> which means brotherly love. I mean, is there a city that's more misnamed than that? <laughs> really, a few years ago, they had the NFL draft 
in uh, Philadelphia, and you know what someone said? It's the only time that every pick would be booed. <laughs> so, so, so listen, in your uh, brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love, that's the goal. Why do we gather? Why do we get up and spend time with Jesus? Why are we following Jesus? Where are we going? Where we're going is love. We're Deep desire is a growing love for Jesus, a growing love for one another, a growing love for the lost. That's where we're headed. For if these qualities are yours, moral excellence and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love, if you're growing in your love for Jesus, if you're growing in your love for one another and for the lost, if these qualities are yours and increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a question. How many of you, listen carefully, want to be useless? How many of you want to be unfruitful? Oh, good. So, so, so here's how we can be useful. Here's how we can be fruitful. Did, did you know there's over 200,000 lost people in our county? Don't you want to be useful to Jesus? Don't, don't you want to be fruitful? So, so how do we do that? In, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, we read, Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. So what kind of vessel do you want to be, honor or dishonor? Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things. Listen, the gospel is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. The gospel propels us to action. If anyone cleanses himself, listen, if we want to be useful and fruitful, there's things we want to throw out of our lives. Cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Don't you want to be useful, fruitful, prepared? How? Now flee from, fleshly, from youthful lust. There's things that we want to throw out and run from. There's things we want to pursue with all of our hearts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Not alone with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations knowing they produce quarrels. Do we live in a quarrelsome culture? Don't people love to argue? Listen, don't get caught up in the foolish arguments, okay? The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to those who think like them. It'd be kind to who? To all. Able to teach. Patient when wrong. Do you know why we don't want to get into quarrels? Because we don't want to win arguments. We want to win people. You can win an argument and lose the person. We don't want to win arguments. We want to win People, right? Um, not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach. Isn't that why we come? Smiley, we live in a culture and people need Jesus. Equip us, equip us. Teach us, teach us. Equip us so that we'll be able to teach, able to share our faith. Patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. The reason we gently correct is we want to win them, not an argument. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. And as we're pointing people toward Jesus and sharing Christ, we're always praying, God, 
God, send your spirit. Grant them repentance because we know we can't change your heart. We share, but the Holy Spirit convicts and converts and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil having been held captive by him to do his will. You know what it means to, lo to love the lost? When we see people in our culture and they're doing all these things we can't believe, we need to remember they're not our enemy. They're not our enemy. They're held captive by our enemy. And the reason we're here on earth is to share with them the gospel and pray and pray that God would set them free. Um, for he... For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the real key, the real key of being useful and fruitful is abiding in Christ, abiding in Christ. And abiding in Christ is to be with a friend who loves us and to stay there. That's our part. If we want to grow in our love for Jesus, if we want to grow in our love for one another, if we want to grow in our love for the lost, if we want to be useful and bear fruit, then we need to be with Jesus and remain there. For notice what it says next. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. So many people, they come to faith in Christ. They're so thankful to be forgiven, but they forget. They're so thankful that they get to do life with Jesus, but they forget. They're so thankful they've been delivered from hell to eternal life, but they forget. That's why we abide. So we remember how good it is to be forgiven. Do you remember how good it is to never be alone and do life with someone who loves us? How good it is to do life knowing every day that the best is yet to come. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Eternity is a long time. Don't get it wrong. He says, make certain about his calling and choosing you. Well, how, how do we know? Take the love test. Do you love Jesus? Do you? Do you love one another? Do you, do you love lost people? If you do, then you know that you know him, that you're called and you're chosen. And listen, how do we keep from losing that? We continually monitor our gauges. We monitor our gauges. You're driving. You look at the speed limit every now and then, right? You look at the fuel gauge. You don't want to run out of fuel. You look at the temperature. You want to make sure your car is not overheating. So as we go through life, we should be continually asking, how's my love for Jesus? Is it growing? How's my love for one another? Is it growing? How's my love for lost people? If they're all growing, then we know we're not going to stumble. We're going to make it all the way home. If I ask you, are you more in love with Jesus than you've ever been, what would you say? If you asked me, I'd say, yes. Are you kidding me? Sometimes people say, smiley, the day I met Jesus was the best day of my life. And that's pretty good. Because they could have said a lot of other things, right? I would say, man, today's the best day of my life because I love Jesus so much more than I did when I first met him. When I first met him, I thought I had two or three sins that I did that bugged him. And once I had them licked, man, I would be almost like Jesus. Now it's over 50 years later, and now I know my sins are like this, 
But God's love is greater. I'm so more aware of my sin. I'm so more aware of the sacrifice he made for me that I'm far more in love with Jesus today than the day I met him. You know why else I'm more thankful to know Jesus? Because we live in a canceled culture. I watch person after person, no matter what they've done their whole life, if they say one wrong thing, they're canceled. And there is no grace, there is no way back. You know why I'm thankful to be a Christian? Because I have a no-cut contract. Do you know there's nothing I ever do that will surprise Jesus because he already paid for all of my sins. I am so thankful there is one person who knows everything about me and says, I'm never leaving. Wow. Are you more in love with Jesus than you've ever been? Man, I am. If you ask me, son, are you more in love? Are you more in love with the church today than you've ever been? Yes, are you kidding me? And listen, I see the flaws in the church. For every flaw you see in our church, I see 10. But I love the church because Jesus loves the church. It's his body, it's his bride. And with all of her flaws, if you study history, the church has always been flawed. And yet Jesus worked through a flawed church to do amazing things. You know why I else love the church? I can belong here. Because it's the only place you have to be unqualified to be qualified to join. Isn't it great? The only place that you can say, I'm rotten and belong, is the church of Jesus Christ. I love his church, don't you? And listen, I love the lost. I love the lost. I have done so many funerals. Many of them, I knew where they went. Many of them I didn't. Oh, people are forever. I want to see people one to Christ more today than ever so that they would spend eternity with Jesus. Don't you? See, that's what we've learned. What we've learned so far is we love. Come on, we love. That was a little weak. We love. Okay, so the, this whole message has been pretty simple. So I know you know where I'm going with an action step for this week. I want to teach you how to pray, okay? Uh, and what I want to teach you this week is to pray, we love because he first loved us, okay? So pray, we love. Now every day in the study, there's a little thing that says, read the word, pray the word, share the word. And some of you say, well, how do you pray the word? So here's what I want you to do this week. We love because he first loved us. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me so well. Lord, help me to love you in return. Help me to love one another, especially when it's hard. Help me to love lost people in my neighborhood, even when they drive me crazy. Help me. Now, I just want you to think what Sunday would look like if we did that. What if Sunday morning, each of us got up and prayed, we love and as we remembered how much Jesus loves here, we ran to church. You know why we ran? Remember there were 10 lepers who were, remember there were 10 lepers who were healed? How many came back to give thanks? Do you ever think of how much you being here matters to Jesus? Do you know he's seeking worshipers? Don't we want to be here early with so many things in the world that break his heart to hear saying, Jesus, I wanted to say thank you more than anything in the world. Listen, when we're here and, and we say thank you to Jesus, when we're here because we say, Jesus, I want to hear your word because I love you, we make his day. Do you think about him? Do you think about him in worship, do you? 
How about with one another? Do you know how often we get to gather as a family? Once a week. Once a week. With like-minded people. We love one another because he first loved us. Can you imagine how excited we'd be? It's Sunday. It's Sunday. I get to see the people I love. We'd be there early because we'd want to welcome them and encourage them. And do you know what the Bible says happens when people are filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you know the first thing that it says? They sing to one another. Do you realize there's a few people in this building who've had a rough week? And what Jesus has loved you for is so you could be here on Sunday morning and you could sing to them. You could sing to them and make their week. You could encourage them. See, he loves us so we can love one another, right? Uh, and, and then the loss, can you imagine? We'd, we'd run to church because we'd want our neighbors to see. We're eager to come. And we know there's always lost people among us when we gather together. And we would want them to see that we love Jesus and want, love one another. So they would want what we have, wouldn't we? Is that what motivates us when we come to worship? That we're loved so well that we love Jesus and one another and the lost. That's what Sunday would look like. How about Monday? Wouldn't Monday look so different? We'd wake up and we'd pray, right? We love. We love. And then we'd say, Jesus, you've loved me. Help me to love you this day. Help me to love your people. Help me to love the lost. <laughs> you know why that's so important? Because Jesus calls us to obey him, right? And sometimes it's hard. <laughs> Do you know that Jesus calls us to love our enemies? How many of you are really good at that? Do you know I struggle to love the people I love? I really do. I struggle to love the people I love, and Jesus calls me to love my enemy. Where do I get that? Jesus, thank you for loving me while I was your enemy. So help me to love those who mistreat me too, right? Uh, listen, we, we, it's through being loved by Jesus that we obey him. How about loving one another? Uh, isn't that challenging sometimes, isn't it? Any of you married? Any of you married? I know you find this hard to believe, but sometimes it's hard for me to love my wife. It's really hard sometimes, isn't it? I mean, most people aren't honest. It's hard, right, isn't it? So, so how do I, you know what? When I pray, we love. It doesn't say we love because our spouse is lovely or treats us the way we'd like to be treated or always does what we want, right? It says we love, why? Because. And you know, everybody, everybody who doesn't know Jesus, they love their spouse when their spouse does exactly what they want them to do. You know, what makes a Christian marriage different is we love when they're not lovely because he first loved us when we were not lovely. Uh, and, then, and then think about that, uh, how, how that would help us love the lost, help us to love the lost. Uh, we're, we're coming back from our elder staff retreat, and we're behind this car, and it's got two bumper stickers. One said, Jesus is the only way. And underneath it was a, a bumper sticker that said, President Trump. And I'm just in my mind, I'm trying to think of what is the message of this car? Does he want to win people to Christ or does he want people to vote like him? And if he wants both, does he only want Republicans to believe in Jesus? And I'm just confused. So I have a question for you. What do you want? Did you want people to know Jesus? 
Or are you more concerned to get them to vote like you? Which is more important to you? Because one of them is going to be what? One of them is going to be more important. But what we've learned is we love. And how does Jesus love people? Look in Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. What if there were a group of people who believed that winning people to Christ was the most important thing? It's more important than getting people to vote like us. Wouldn't, wouldn't we stand out? Um, I mean, do you, do you like parties? Do you like parties? Do you ever wonder why they throw a party in heaven? Here, here's why they throw a party in heaven. Um, Luke 15, 5, I tell you, that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Every time someone comes to faith in Christ, there is a party in heaven. And this week, we're thankful that we got to help throw a party in heaven by seeing one person come to faith in Christ this week. And let's give God thanks for that. Um, I look around our country, and I've never seen our country more morally confused. I've never seen our country more divided or more angry. And so you say, smiling, are you discouraged? Are you discouraged? No. It is the greatest time ever to be the church of Jesus Christ. Don't you see that? Let, let me tell you about one of my heroes. His name is Chesty Puller. Chesty Puller, he is the most decorated Marine in Marine history. He fought in World War II and, and the Korean War. And, and oh, man, this is so good. They're surrounded by the enemy in, in the Korean War. Do you ever feel surrounded? Listen to what he said. They are in front of us, behind us, and we're flanked on both sides by an enemy that outnumbers us 29 to 1. They can't get away from us now. Imagine if that was us. Imagine if that was us. There's lost people in front of us. There's lost people behind us. There's lost people on both sides. They outnumber us 29. They can't get away. Isn't that the attitude that we need? I mean, Jesus had 12 guys or 500 guys on a hill and said, go take the world, right? Did they quit? <laughs> he also said, great, now we can shoot at them from every direction. You know, it's so great to be a Christian now. We can throw the net to the right. We can throw the net to the left, in front of us, behind us. We're going to find Laos people everywhere, right? Is that what we're doing? Listen. Jesus says to us, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Do you believe it? Oh, let me tell you. Amen. Amen. Will you join me? Will you join me this week? Let's pray. Let's pray. Like We love Jesus. That was a little weak. Okay. We love Jesus. And we love one another. Come on, that's a little. We love one another. And we love the loss. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you for loving us. When we were far, far away and we were your enemies, you loved us. You came for us. You lived for us. You died for us. You rose for us so that we could experience your love and joy forever. Thank you. And listen, if you've never received eternal life, won't you? Listen, we're all eternal. Jesus is here. Won't you receive his gift by believing? Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and 
and be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Uh, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you and pray for you. Oh, Lord, I pray for those of us who have received your gift that we would be rem- reminded today how much we're loved, how much you love us. And Lord, this week I pray that we would pray over and over again that we love you because you first loved us and that we would. And Lord, that we would pray we love one another because you first loved us and we would, especially when it's hard. And we would pray we love lost people because you first loved us and we would because Lord, we remember one day we were lost and someone pointed us to you and you invite us to be those people for others. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand.